0: Welcome to our latest Coffee Break podcast, looking at neurodiversity and the considerations for employers seeking to attract, retain and support their neurodiverse talent. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Nancy Doyle, the CEO of Genius Within, an organisation that supports both the businesses working to create an inclusive environment for their neurodiverse population and the individual neurodiverse employees wanting to give their very best at work. Welcome, Nancy. Some of our listeners may be unfamiliar with the concept of neurodiversity, or maybe just starting to explore how to engage and support their neurodiverse employees. So could you please start by explaining what neurodiversity is or what it means?
1: Hi, and thank you for that intro. So um, neurodiversity in its kind of most basic definition is kind of like biodiversity. It refers to the idea that the human species has natural variations in our neurology, in our cognitive ability. We are diverse in the way that we think. So on that level, it it applies to everybody. However, the world has become associated with conditions like autism adhd dyslexia dyspraxia Tourette's syndrome dyscalculia it's sometimes broadened out to also include mental health needs and global learning disabilities so it has got quite a broad remit as an umbrella term but as i say mainly it's adhd autism dyslexia dyspraxia dyscalculia and tourette's and in that context it's referring to the idea that individuals with those conditions tend to have what we call a spiky profile so if you kind of plot all of their different skills and abilities on a graph you'll have some things that are really high and some things that are really low and there'll be a big difference between them so we all have things that we're good at and things that we're not good at but for a neurodiverse employee the difference between strengths and weaknesses is marked and there's a kind of clinical significance that we use to determine that. So it's a big difference. Um, And that's really what we mean by neurodiverse conditions. Um, We also use the term neurominority conditions, um, just to refer to the fact that most people are neurotypical so neurotypical is is most people having a small difference between strengths and weaknesses and then neuro minorities really form somewhere between 15 to 20 percent of the population that has one of those conditions that i mentioned depending on how wide you create your inclusion criteria
0: thanks nancy that's really helpful I know that um, neurodivergent people tend to find some things very easy and other things incredibly hard, which, of course, can lead to inconsistent performance at work. We, too, often see situations where an employee's neurodiversity is only considered after a problem with performance or conduct has arisen. And in many cases, the situation could have been better understood or managed.
1: Is this something you see a lot of? this is what you've, you've just described almost all of my clients. <laughs> um, and But what we're trying to do is move that along. So I think, yes, what we often tend to find is this kind of reactive um, situation where either the employee hasn't disclosed because they don't have to, and they're worried about negative stereotypes, and people kind of feeling, um, thinking that they won't be able to do their job, so they kind of keep it quiet, or they have kind of talked about it to a few people but it's never really been a problem before and so all of a sudden it can kind of come up and and then sometimes that can actually create quite a lot of um ill feeling because hr managers or supervisors might feel well you know you've never mentioned this before why is it an only a problem now and and a lot of the time that's because neurodiverse or neurodivergent employees can do quite a lot of work it's like the metaphor of a swan going across the pond you know the legs are going really really fast underneath and they might look like they're doing absolutely fine but they're doing quite a lot of work beneath the surface they might be working longer hours than everybody else and just not saying or coming in in, to work early and not really talking about it and something can kind of tip that over the balance so something that actually has been a problem for quite a long time suddenly tips. Tips into um, a performance issue. And I think that the trouble with reactive uh, scenarios like that is that it's actually quite, it's unnecessary. So if we know that 15 to 20% of the population has a condition like this, we can predict that there's going to be issues. One of the things we've learned in Genius Within is that the most typical points of referral for support are when somebody has a new line manager, so they have to learn a different communication style or get a different level of support when they move offices and they're suddenly exposed to more background noise than usual or a new software system. And when they've just been promoted. So they've gone from doing something that was their strength and being a specialist to doing something where they need to have more generalist skills like you do in management. So given that we know these are the tipping points, I think, it would, I think it's possible for employers to predict that we're going to need some flexibility in some of these onboarding and um, performance management context, and we we can do it more proactively.
0: Thanks um, for that. That, That's very interesting. And um, I just wanted to um, make the point that we're often advising on neurodiversity from a legal angle um, and explaining how neurodiversity interfaces with the Equality Act and the legal requirement to make reasonable adjustments for neurodiverse employees. Um, Just a more sort of practical question for you. How how should employers go about finding out what adjustments might help a neurodiverse employee? And um, do you have any particular advice for line managers trying to support a neurodiverse team member?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, to both of those questions, I think the the advice is also the support, because in my experience, most line managers feel that they want to provide support, they're not trying to make life difficult, but they just don't know what to do. And so, kind of having information about what you can actively do to make a difference is absolutely key. Now, there's a lot of guidance documents out there. I really recommend uh, the Business Disability Forum. Um, that's a non-profit kind of membership club for organisations that want to be proactive about disability. They have a neurodiversity toolkit. ACAS have a neurodiversity toolkit, and and from those sorts of things, you can get a very broad overview of generally here's a bunch of stuff that will tend to make a difference and that can be your kind of first line response um and you can do that before trouble emerges and then something we do at genius within is we have a, an online questionnaire which we call the strategy profiler which is where we've kind of written a list of questions that are the 65 most common questions that that come up or the most common performance areas that come up with a set of adjustment strategies behind each question if you know what I mean so you can have a more personalized approach that's free so you can do a whole you can you can go through a couple of steps for free and just open that dialogue talk to that person make sure that you're being kind of curious and respectful as to where those difficulties are coming from and don't fall into traps of assuming that it's lack of motivation or lack of engagement and actually make the assumption that your team member is trying their best and it's about kind of getting the communication style right and the information right and if you take that approach and go through the kind of really um the, that, that sort of guidance and the strategy profiler um, and get something a bit personalised, then you can get a long way just doing that. But if you've got into a performance area where the person's job is at risk, I think that's the point for calling in professionals, because you don't want to um, you don't want to take shortcuts at that point. And you can either call access to work for a free assessment and maybe some support with making adjustments or you can call an organisation like mine. I'm very conscious that we've focused a lot on some of the challenges,
0: but of course neurodiverse employees have the ability to think differently, and this often gives employers a competitive edge. Can you explain a bit about the benefits for employers of attracting talent from the neurodiverse community?
1: Well, I think one of the main benefits is the neurodiverse community is the human community. So most businesses have a customer base and the customer base will have neurodiverse people in it. (laughs) So if we design things from a neurotypical perspective only, we're actually losing 15 to 20 percent of our of our potential customer base. Um, There's there's a lot of evidence to suggest that people with cognitive abilities have a really difficult time accessing um, finance, accessing e-commerce commerce. And so there's lots of reasons why you'd want to have neurodiverse people working with you on design and delivery of services so that you can meet a a more representative need in your customer base. But the other thing that you'll find in the neurodiverse talent pool is specialists rather than generalists. So you will find people who have standout strengths. So when I talked earlier about that spiky profile of strengths and weaknesses, you'll find people who are better than anyone else at um design about thinking about things in 3d visual spatial reasoning for example your adhd and your dyslexics tend to be very good at that you might find that you have people who are in- exceptional at articulating um and coming up with exactly the right words for things sometimes the dyspraxic community can be really outstanding at verbal skills and the autistic in fact all of those communities but you know it's about kind of you want to be able to to get some real specialist um dynamism into your team that's what the neurodiverse community will bring
0: so for our clients who are keen to get started with attracting neurodiverse employees and developing an inclusive culture what are the key steps to take or
1: things to think about um i think if you want to get started you you well, for starters, you already have neurodiverse employees. So they're already there. And you know, one of the things to note is, do you know that? Have you got people who have disclosed or not disclosed? Um, are there people in your organization who don't feel it's safe to disclose? Because if there are, then that's where you should start. So you should start by looking at your own culture at how disability friendly you are in general, um, how diversity friendly you are in general and kind of creating systems where people think it's okay to disclose. And if they if they know that you want to understand and you're interested and you're authentically curious about, about their differences and what the, how they could add value, people will start to come out of the woodwork. And then what you might find is that you've got a kind of focus group and you've got some people who could give you some advice on, on where the business is falling short on accommodating Um, their struggles and where the business is falling short on maximizing their strengths and once you've got that information then you can start to look at at, at where you need to make the biggest changes do you need to start with recruitment or do you need to start by putting in place a a system of reasonable adjustments because when you've got those reasonable adjustments um, then you take all of the difficulties out and you can kind of put more attention on the strengths and and the, the benefits
0: I know that Genius Within works closely with many employers and neurodiverse individuals to create a positive work environment. Can you tell us a little bit about the support and services you offer, Nancy?
1: Yeah, we offer um, assessment and diagnosis for people that haven't been diagnosed. We offer workplace needs assessment, which is that kind of next level when you've tried a lot of strategies and adjustments and none of them have quite worked. Yeah, A professional person can kind of reflect on those with you over the phone or come and see you um, and and do it in person. Um, We also we provide a lot of coaching, actually, and our coaching is really successful. Ninety five percent of our coaching clients are still employed with the same person a year later. And the 5% who aren't have generally moved on because actually it was the right thing to do. You know, Not every square peg can be um, made to fit into a round hole or not every round hole can be adjusted so that the square peg can fit in. And so if people move on because that's the right thing for them to do, then I I think that's okay. But 95% of our coaching clients retain and 25% of them get promoted within a year of coaching. And we see about 3000 people a year for that. So, So those are kind of the support services that we offer at the individual level but the thing that we do for businesses as well is help kind of form that strategy and we call that next level neurodiversity coaching you know rather than dealing with individual issues one at a time how can you create an inclusive culture how do you create a system of reasonable adjustments that's kind of just normalized and part of the way we do things around here how can we adjust our hr processes so that each stage of the employee life cycle has kind of been designed with the flexible flexibility. flexibility in mind that you're going to need so it's a range of services really for both the organisation and individuals within the organisation. Thank
0: you and one final question Um, coronavirus has led to rapid changes in where and how many of us are having to work how have you seen this impacting on neurodiverse employees and has it raised particular challenges that employers should be aware of?
1: Yeah, it's it's quite interesting, actually. There are winners and losers in the neurodiverse community, and they're not the same people. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people who find um, some autistic people, for example, uh, most autistic people find that their senses become very easily overwhelmed. The part of their brain that processes noise, light, sense of touch, smell, um, taste are functioning at a much higher level than a neurotypical. So noises sound louder. um, Physical experiences are more intense. uh, Lights are brighter. And so for autistic people, commuting can actually be painful. It's not just that it's overwhelming and it's a little bit annoying. It it can actually be physically painful. So for lots of autistic people, not having to commute, not having to go into a busy office and, and kind of sit in a squashed elevator all the way to the top floor or wherever they're going, that has actually released quite a lot of kind of cognitive processing power and emotional resilience that they've been spending just getting from a to b and so some people are finding that lockdown has actually unleashed a kind of creativity and a, a high level of performance um but for other neurodiverse and neurodivergent people the issues tend to be around it being much easier to misinterpret so um neurodiverse people and neurotypical people are it's almost like um america and england you know we speak the same language but sometimes words mean different things and so they're, they're, it's actually much easier to misinterpret things when you don't have that informal contact and you don't have body language to add to words in an email or in a voice call. Um, So in the kind of misunderstanding sphere, there have been more problems than usual, um, and that can create quite a lot of tension. Um, so, you know, as I say, winners and losers. We've also found um, from an occupational psychology point of view that actually younger versus older is a big um, difference in the coronavirus pandemic, that younger people are struggling more because younger people are, are less likely to understand the rules of work intuitively. They have less experience and they need more informal networking time in order to learn and order to progress within an organisation. And they're also more likely to be Living in in smaller places where they're crowded and have less less be- less better you know less good areas to work at home from, whereas older people are kind of finding it easier and I think and also more likely to be in a specialist role that suits their neurodiverse skills. So the younger versus older dichotomy is exacerbated for neurodiverse people, and those are the kind of things that are going on with the misinterpretation. What we're finding we're doing a lot more of is what we call co coaching, where you do a coaching session. With the supervisor and the employee at the same time, so that you can kind of try and unpick where those misunderstandings are coming from. And so, we, we as, a, as a business, we've been doing a lot more of that work during the coronavirus pandemic.
0: Interesting, Nancy. Many thanks for joining us today. Your advice on how our clients can understand and, and practically support their neurodiverse employees is really helpful, and it's actually heartening to hear how some simple measures can have such a significant and positive impact. Thank you for listening and please get in touch with your Osborne Clark contact or Nancy at Genius Within for help with any of the issues discussed today.